Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Working for a Living Blog Talk Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight, we're joined by co-hosts Jeff Brown and David Fillion. I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. We certainly hope that everyone had a safe and uh, stayed safe and enjoyed this past week. Uh, as you enjoyed your uh, week at work and now the weekend. So uh, we have a few announcements. Uh, The first one is uh, uh, October is National Breast Cancer Month. No one should face breast cancer alone, or for that matter, any type of cancer. Team Working for a Living sends out our thoughts and prayers to any and all who have, have or had this horrible disease. Number two, the honey well workers remain locked out of the plant by management. Uh, and for your information, Dennis Williams is scheduled to be at a local Union 9 rally on October 5th in South Bend. Number three, UPS is hiring for seasonal work. Remember that 37% of seasonal workers eventually get hired full-time. So this is a great way to enter UPS and the Teamster Union. Remember to participate in Working for a Living write-in campaign to the U.S. Senate to oppose the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Instructions for doing so are on the Working for a Living Facebook page. Number five, Working for a Living continues to support Unifor as they now negotiate with FCA Chrysler for a fair agreement. Though we do not approve of providing contract information the same day as a ratification vote, these life-affecting collective bargain agreements are just too important to review in a few hours. Number six, Paul Edwards, an 84-year-old UAW member at Flint Metal Fab, retired last Friday, September 30th, with 62 years of service. We extend congratulations to Brother Edwards on the occasion of his retirement. Number seven, update the ethical practices appeal regarding voting at local union 6000 UAW. The IEB has now made an answer to the public review board. Stay tuned. Eight, it has been announced that the members, uh, to the members that General Motors is hiring 600 temporary members from temporary status to full-time permanent status effective tomorrow, October 3rd. That is great news for the temps. Congratulations. As we said last week, this should also trigger Appendix A moves as that is being discussed in this latest announcement. Number nine, at sundown tonight, Sunday, the Jewish New Year will begin with Rosh Hashanah, observing the start of the Jewish year 5,777. We wish our Jewish brothers and sisters great uh, Happy New Year celebration. Uh, for the emails, uh, we have one uh, that came, uh, and it says, thanks for having me. It's always an education. I always learn something new. That came from Unifor member and former Unifor presidential candidate, Lindsay Henselwood. Thank you, Lindsay, for taking the time to contact us. 
having said that, let me talk about Aristotle's famous statement before we get into the news as we think about the news of the day. Uh, Aristotle said, a problem defined is a problem half solved. And that's really food for thought as you think about all of the things that we discuss here and as you go through your daily lives and meet your daily challenges uh, of life. So let me bring on the uh, guest hosts. Uh, let's see if we have Jeff Brown on. Jeff, are you there? Yeah, I'm How are you doing? Pretty good, Jeff. Uh been a little uh, overcast and partly, you know, partly sat, uh, sunny, partly cloudy most of the day. It's clearing up around here now, but it's been an average day for the fall, I guess. What's it like around your area today? Same way. Beautiful day out. Not yeah. too hot, not yeah, too nice cold. Day. No rain. Yeah. A lot of fun. No rain. Yeah. That's great. For a That's day. great. So good. And it's a nice fall day. Football weather's in the air, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Let me bring uh, uh, David Fillion on. Good evening, David. How are you doing? Jeff. Good. Hey, Dad. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? Not bad. How are you? Good. 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 Uh, well, uh, that uh, brings all our co-hosts on for the evening. Uh, I know Jeff has a uh, real uh, interesting. Uh, issue about the Teamster leadership uh, and some of their problems that he'd like to educate the listeners about this evening. Jeff, why don't you uh, go ahead with your report tonight? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it really short because I know we've been running over a lot lately. Uh, the Teamsters are getting ready for a new election for Teamster president. Uh, there are some challenges against President James Hoppe, and rightfully so. Um, he has done nothing for their membership. He has not won a winning contract there in his permanent office, which has been in almost, what, 15 years now? Um, a group called, um, let me find it here, Teamsters for a Democratic Union. They have filed a complaint with the uh, federal U.S. Attorney's Office they're protesting the um, Teamster International president properly accepting gifts from employers and engaging in slam bargaining deals, interfering with union local elections to, to ensure his friends get elected. Um, also, racketeering, corruption. Um, I guess he's faces a hearing on October 11th, that's next Tuesday, I believe. Um, this is a really touchy story, especially for me, because I have relatives who are Teamsters. And we have talked about the show in the past about central states wanting to uh, cut retirees' pensions by 60%. And uh, we got that down had it all corrected. The probe also alleges a uh, little thing um, to include hiring family members and tickets to a Playboy host Super Bowl party. Um, so he, he's been in a lot of trouble. He, this is not a, a new new article. Just started a while back. We post uh, 
very first article a few months ago on, on this, our Facebook page. But I hope we get new leadership in the teachers. There are a few people running against Mr. Hoffman. And we know one of them, at least. Um, and hopefully, if the share is going to pieces, we can get uh, some movement in our community to change. And uh, I want to make sure the international staff, the international staff, here's what I'm saying. Because you guys aren't doing it, you need to go. And get all of you out of office to get some new blood in there, people who are willing to fight for the membership and not for corporations. Um, so we'll keep everybody posted on this group, uh, the Team Sister Gen 5 Union uh, case. And this thing works for, uh, for the whole uh, Team Sister Union. So I got Leroy. Okay, Hello? Jeff. Well, thank you for the for, yeah. Thank you for that report. I was muted, so I didn't have any other noise there. Uh, thank you for that report, Jeff. And uh, David, do you have any comments on that? Um, no. Okay, I'm I'm good with it. Uh, we are, uh, you know, watching that uh, uh, election. Well, the whole process. The election isn't uh, for a while yet. We're watching that whole process. We. Uh, we we have uh, a good friend of the show that uh, is running for president, and we'll be uh, uh, talking with him as this all goes along, and uh, we'll uh, we'll just keep watching and seeing what uh, what's going on with the Teamsters over there. It's been a little traumatic and tumultuous for some of the the leadership there, and uh, it's about due for some change. I think uh, it's time for some new blood. I agree. Uh, wouldn't I agree. you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's keep watching that, and then we'll we'll see what uh, occurs out of that. Uh, so thank you for that report, Jeff. It's timely. It's true. We have been going long, as you pointed out, and we probably tr- should try and stay to our hour tonight. So with with that, we'll all try and keep that in mind. We could even be a little short once in a while. It's not a big deal to be a little bit short. So. Uh, I know that uh, David has a report uh, on uh, Local Union 2250. David, you want to take off with that one now and uh, give us that report? Yeah. Um, It's our understanding that uh, the workers down there um, rejected their local um, agreement. And uh, the uh, shop chairman down there... um, he wasn't real pleased with voter turnout, and uh, they've rescheduled uh, another vote for this month. And uh, it appears like uh, they have the uh, international union coming in to settle their con to help settle their contract for them. Although um, it's been stated that. Uh, there's been no request from the shop committee for assistance from the international union to settle anyone's contract down there. Um, the uh, issues seem to be, you know, the biggest one 
um, job rotation, um, typically in most GM plants. Um, you know, they like to stay to uh, between five and six jobs per team. And, uh, well, we heard uh, from um, the party and another local up in New York that uh, they may uh, have as many as 10 team members on a job up there. So that's expanded since I've retired. Um, when I was working, um, you know, it stayed between like five and six employees they like to have. Um, the idea of uh, job rotation isn't one of my favorites. Um, I believe that it makes it far too easy for management to uh, pull out of the system and distribute the elements of the jobs to the other members in the team. They already know the jobs, all of them. So adding um, another element to them um, is no problem. They don't have to train them. Um, and that whole process should have never been began in the first place, is my opinion. So these members, they do have a real concern down there. Um, they're being told that uh, they'll only have to learn a minimum of two jobs. And uh, that uh, they um, really don't have the manpower to learn a, learn a secondary job. So they're being told that, you know, this isn't a real big deal. It's voluntary. Don't really have the manpower to teach people to do the jobs anyway. Um, I can tell you, um, it's my belief, voluntary will turn into um, a forced situation. That is only my opinion, um, but I don't believe in the job rotation. What I saw um, over the years when I was working, um, management would uh, call, they were derating the line slowing it down and uh, tear down job stations, pluck out a member, and uh, distribute the elements. Then when everybody's running in real time, well, we're going to speed line back up. Sometimes this process would pan out three times in one year. Every time, more members plucked out of the system. It's a way of uh, reducing membership and building more product with less people. So the more um, the, this local um, fights the rotation, um, I'm on their side because I don't believe that it's in the best favor of the in, in, of the members. It benefits the corporation, and that plays into Appendix K. Um, the, the competitive agreement. Um, only parties that uh, um, are competitive and local and locals are, you know, selected for future product allocations. And uh, that kind of puts our members everywhere in competition with each other, and we shouldn't be in competition with one another. 
Um, so I'm not in um, agreement with uh, um, the international coming in to help settle a contract if they haven't been invited. We've kind of saw in the past what happened down at Local 23 when Bob King was president. He came in behind the backs of the local and negotiated an agreement with J.D. Norman Enterprises. And uh, that turned out rather badly for Mr. King. Um, in the end, the members prevailed. He wasn't able to come in and subvert the uh, elections committee, and that plan closed. Those members flowed, and uh, they kept their pay. Bob King had arranged a deal to cut 50% of their pay to keep the plan open. And not only did uh, um, these folks um, save themselves from a 50% loss of pay, they also are, they should be considered UAW heroes because had J.D. Norman taken over that facility, it had an enormous amount of floor space. Most certainly, other stamping plants would have saw the loss of their work to that J.D. Norman facility. And they could have been stamping parts there for Ford, GM, and FCA. So they saved a lot of people's jobs in the process. And uh, I think that the International Union should allow um, their shop committee locally to handle their own internal affairs. And they have enough business to do on Jefferson Avenue. Um, so that's what I have on that, Leroy. I'll let you take that away. Okay. Thank you, David, very much for your report on the uh, Wentzville uh, vote that turned down their local agreement uh, this past week and uh, the subsequent uh, goings-on there uh, since then. Uh, again, there's a new election scheduled. Uh uh, Jeff, do you have anything to add to David's report? Yes, I like uh, the appendix that David was referring to in the GM contract. It sounds an awful lot like the Ford uh, Appendix J about um, green manufacturing and so on. Um, under the 2011 agreement, the team leaders at Ford was getting a dollar and a half more an hour than the team leaders at GM. That I do know. Um, so if all the Ford employees would check and read Appendix J, better read it very closely because it can cause a lot of damage. And I tried to warn people of it during last year's uh, contract talks and vote, ratification vote. Uh, as far as the international getting involved, Winsville, um, I have heard some rumblings that Mr. Settles, the Ford Vice President, has been uh, kind of making some trouble for our, our local agreement, which we voted down uh, last December. And he's not making too many people happy in, in the Ford process. During the 2011 local negotiations at uh, Lorraine, Ohio, local 2000, uh, they had a, a local agreement proposed. The workers voted it down. 
chairman got upset and had to revote with the same contract proposal because he didn't like the numbers that he wanted. He wanted that, and as he did it second time, he got voted down by a bigger margin. What's going on in the UAW is, quite frankly, bullshit. Um, they get me rattled up. I can't get on my soapbox talk for hours about it. But, um, things need to change for any UAW altogether, not just the uh, auto workers, but also in the other uh, locals like Kohler and Honeywell. Um, Things just need to change, and we need to continue our drive to make that change happen. And we need your people's help who's listening to the show or reading our Facebook page. We need your help. We can't do it all by ourselves. So contact one of us. We'll be more than happy to uh, talk to you about what we can do in our plan, your plan. So, well, I got Leroy on, on Dave's issue. Um, I do okay. want to give a okay. shout out because you mentioned breast cancer awareness um, month in October, which I'm a big supporter. I have an aunt who's a couple years older than me. She had breast cancer and did. So I've been very proud to report on that. I have a pink ribbon, a pink ribbon tattooed on my wrist and with her name on it. So I carry it everywhere I go because she beats this deadly disease. Um, so, real men do wear pink. All right. So, let's go, guys. Wear the pink for the month of October. Ah. Okay, Jeff. Uh, I'll follow up on that pink. Um, I have a cousin that had breast cancer, and she asked the doctor, what are the the chances in uh, survival? And he gave her a real low number. And What about if you just remove one the infected, uh, affected breast at this time? And he said, well, there's like a 67% chance that the second one will get cancer and be affected. She asked him, Samad, what's the chance if you remove them both? And he said, zero chance of you getting breast cancer and having to die from that. And she opted for that. And I want to let everybody know that's listening. Nobody in our family or circle of friends loved my cousin any less because she had that radical double mastectomy. We we loved her even more for the bravery that she expressed in doing that. So if you're facing breast cancer, certainly team working for a living, thoughts and prayers go out to you. Any sort of cancer, if, for that matter. We have a very close friend of the show that has it currently and is going to get through this with uh, flying colors, I have it extended conversation with that person earlier this afternoon and he's he's just demonstrating great bravery and and uh and very 
confident that he'll get through this. So uh, if you have the little pink ribbon, put it on your collar and let everybody know you care because people like my cousin surely deserve to know just walking past you that you care that this entire month and we'll feature it every month every week in our in the month of October for the show so thank you Jeff for raising that issue once again during the show appreciate that brother um this report I'm going to expand it as a part of my own report uh, so as everybody knows I want to address uh, the matter that the uh, IUAW, International UAW, by and through the International Executive Board, is likely going to go into Local Union 2250, Wentzville, Missouri, and intervene. And I want to read part of the Constitution, and that's Article 19, Contracts and Negotiations, Section 1, and I believe this is Sentence 2. I want to read this for everybody's understanding about this particular issue of a local union negotiating its agreement. Quote, Each local union shall be required to carry out the provisions of its contracts. No officer, member, representative, or agent of the international union or of any local union or of any subordinate body of the international union shall have the power or authority to counsel, cause, participate in, or ratify any action which constitutes a breach of any contract entered into by a local agreement or by the international union or subordinate body thereof. And that's a pretty broad statement, end quote. That's a pretty broad statement regarding any agent, representative, or member or officer of the international union or of any local union not to counsel, cause, initiate, participate in, or ratify any action which constitutes a breach of a contract. As they negotiate this agreement, these local unions and their bargaining committee have full authority to collectively bargain on their own behalf. In fact, the National Labor Relations Act did four things. I want to remind everybody what those are. They allow workers to organize among themselves to elect their leadership and that that leadership then collectively bargains for them and the National Labor Relations Act also created the National Labor Relations Board. It did four things, essentially, in the eyes of lawyers and those academics that follow these sort of things. It follows on 
that if you elect your bargaining team, though your leaders, and they're empowered then to collectively negotiate bargain for you, then you have the right and the obligation to go in and vote upon whatever they find, whether you're, you accept that or not. So that's sort of what's going on there at Wentzville. And we're going to watch and see what that local union bargaining committee does and what the members do at that local. Now, David talked about job rotation. And I want to talk about where job rotation is coming from. By the way, we have a lot of uh, callers in the switchboard. If anybody has comment and want to ask a question, simply press 1, and uh, at a first break here, we'll get to you. Uh, but for now, just, uh, you know, if you're just sitting there, it'd be you know, we're happy to have you listening this evening. So thank you very much for calling in to listen at least. And anybody that chooses, just press 1. So uh, the idea of job rotation comes from a couple of different uh, areas. Uh, first of all, in the agreement, there's the thing called Appendix K, and that's in the General Motors agreement. And for the purpose of this conversation, because Wentzville is a General Motors local, uh, we'll keep it to General Motors language, although Jeff aptly pointed out that it's not only in General Motors, but it's in Ford, and it's also in the Chrysler Agreement. And I would like to also point out that uh, Jeff Brown and myself on another radio show for the uh, General Motors Agreement and for the Ford Agreement opposed this language, well, uh, with Appendix K being in there, but there's some new language, language we'll talk about in a second, but we opposed this language on another radio show vehemently. We said this is not good language and uh, it's just not good for the membership. Uh, I wanna, one of the tenets of the National Labor Relations Act is that the people that are elected and then bargaining on, on behalf of the membership at large are for wages, hours of employment, and other working conditions are supposed to do that in the interest of the membership. You're going to hear that a little more yet this evening as, as I give this report. In the interest of the membership. And we said time and time again last fall when these were being considered for ratification at the national level, the national level that we uh, had uh, the that we expect to have the interest of the members uh, upheld, and we didn't feel that was being done by the uh, parties that had negotiated this agreement. And I see a lot of people adding into the switchboard, so thanks for coming in. Uh, again, if you want to say anything or have a comment, just press 1, 
and at a break here, we'll get to you. Now, Appendix K, uh, getting back to that, is the competitive clause for the General Motors Agreement. Again, these are in all three of the Detroit Three agreements. Uh, competitive clause means that the chairperson of the bargaining unit is required to effectively help to make the corporation more efficient so that the chairperson can then garner uh, new work for his or her uh, facility, whatever it's an assembly or press plant or, or motor plant uh, or a truck uh, division. They don't, they've done away with some of the larger divisions like diesel locomotive and stuff like that. But having said that, uh, this, this is then all compiled, all of this information on efficiencies are all compiled and then sent in and then based on whether you're efficient or not, the, the people most efficient then get the opportunity for product allocation, new, new work for the new plant, or for, the, for your facility, or to lose work for that matter. And we've seen some of that go on. We've talked about it going to Mexico. So uh, that doesn't sound like it's in the interest of the membership, but rather in the interest of the corporation. I must say that over our last team call, this matter was uh, hotly discussed, and we all agreed that uh, what David talked about in job rotation, where they have a five-person team and everybody knows all the jobs on the team, and then they reduce the line speed, remove a person, and then later increase line speed and not put the person back. And they might blend that over two or three teams, but you lose a person almost without fail. And everybody agreed to that, and we all agreed that's not something that the union should be participating in. And it's not good for the membership. They're working faster, harder. They're, they're getting repetitive motion problems and injuries. They're getting hurt more often. Besides those, it affects their family life because Lots oftentimes are on alternative work schedule in addition to working five different jobs and being maximum being maxed out to the where you can just barely wipe the sweat off your brow on a hot day and can't keep up and then if you get out of what's called the footprint, the little line on the floor that says you can only work within this area and you wipe the sweat off your brow and have to step on the line or an inch over the line, they come down and want to know why you were so far behind. Maybe discipline you for that. That's simply wrong. Well, Appendix K requires that sort of action to go on. In addition to that, in the last agreement, they had GMS, Global Manufacturing System, Global Manufacturing System has committees at the local, regional, and national level. Ultimately, the national parties 
by consent can change anything in the agreement that was ratified without any ratification because of this committee. They meet once a year at the national level, and throughout the year, committee members from both sides, management and union, are supposed to be talking to one another. And, of course, then they once a year meet, or as needed, in between, and change the agreement without ratification by the membership. And that's something that the entire team thought was a bad thing, so much so that we added that as a plank, that GMS is not a good thing for our, for our membership, added it for, as a plank in our uh, platform for our team as we come and make every effort to stop what's going on and change it. There was one of the mem- mem- yeah one of the members brought up that they actually have used paragraph eight management's rights clause in their justification for GMS. Well, let me just read the management rights clause here from the General Motors Agreement, paragraph eight: the right to hire, promote, discharge, or discipline for cause and to maintain discipline and efficiency of employees is the sole responsibility of the corporation, except that union members shall not be discriminated against as such. In addition, the products to be manufactured, locations of the plants, the schedules of production, the methods, processes, means of manufacture are solely and exclusively the responsibility of the corporation. Let me go back to that first sentence, third third, uh, phrase. To maintain discipline and efficiency of employees um, is the sole responsibility of the corporation. Ellipsis. So management rights clause gives management the right to do just exactly that, maintain efficiencies, manage their property as they will. goes back to old English common law and, and property right. Management rights clause is a property right clause, and they're not about to give that up to anybody. Although in modern unionism, the new UAW and the new international UAW, since about 1999-2000, have taken on more and more of the responsibilities of maintaining efficiencies. And therein lies the problem with the current leadership in the UAW. It is not their responsibility to maintain efficiencies in the plants. Not whatsoever are they supposed to have a competitive clause that requires the chairperson to participate in greater efficiencies in the plant to the point where they lose or or are allocated new work. It is simply wrong. It is not in keeping with the National Labor Relations Act. 
that implicitly says you will do all of this in the interest of the membership from the union's standpoint. The union has morphed its way into becoming management. It has abrogated their own authority on behalf of the membership. It has allowed management to define us in the UAW as a union to the point where we're helping them with something they claim in paragraph 8 is their sole responsibility. We should have no part in it. In their own language, we should have no part in it. Yet and still, we have a competitive clause that compels a chairperson to make the plant more efficient and to report those to a central collection place where they're analyzed for product allocation or product removal. And we have GMS where the national parties can meet and change the agreement willy-nilly at their own whim without a ratification by the membership. All of the above is not in the interest of the membership. You're seeing at Wentzville, Missouri, and at least two other local unions that we won't get into this evening because we don't want to bring them any more attention on them than they've already got because we do have the international listening to this show every Monday. And we sure miss Monday morning. We should send us an email once in a while to give us a little update from your part of the world. That'd be kind of fun. He uh, updated a show that Jeff and I were on earlier, and uh, we kind of enjoyed it. It was kind of a hoot back and forth with him. He was uh, an interesting gentleman, uh, very high-placed within the UAW. Uh, but we we know that the IUAW is listening. We don't want to get them in trouble at the other two local unions. But you're seeing this pushback where local unions are not ratifying their own local agreement. That pushback is coming because they're trying to implement job rotation in their plant, and people do not want management to have the ability to increase line speed. We haven't had a speed-up grievance written in forever, and quite frankly, Appendix K prohibits it. Contradicting language in the in the agreement, so not a good thing. And as long as I'm on the failures of the international union, I want to address a post that was on one of the Facebook pages this past week, and it said in part, and I'm paraphrasing. Thank God that the UAW has negotiated a pension and health care for retirees. I thank God for that, too. But, brother, I'm going to tell you something. I'm from Youngstown, and when they piss on my head, they're not going to tell me it's raining. 
because those contractual elements were negotiated in the late 60s and the early 70s when we really had a union. And of the last decade, 11 years roughly, we've had a vote to change health care and to reduce or eliminate health care elements. Health care went from virtually free to if you have any sort of an illness, over thousands of dollars. A friend of mine now pays $10,000 a year for one of his medicines. If you have any sort of a problem requires a surgery, you're going to be at least at $1,000. It used to be all free. And I'll tell you now that they are coming after the pensions. Part and parcel of the appeal that's before the PRB as we speak is an attack on pensions, in particular those people under 62 and future pensions. Most certainly and assuredly and questionable, questionable on others. So I'm here to tell you, I praise our UAW for getting those things just like you do. But I admonish the current leadership of the last decade or so for doing their level best to take them away from us and take and make working conditions in the plant unbearable, creating alternative work schedules that prohibit a family life or attempting, if you wanted to go to school and better yourself, let's say you want to be a teacher after you retire from the, uh, one of the Detroit three plants or any, any facility, with an alternative work schedule, you're virtually precluded from trying to benefit yourself and improve yourself so where you to the point where you could get an education a degree and a teaching certificate so where so that you could go out and teach or become an engineer or anything else in the myriad of education that you could improve yourself beyond retirement that might actually assist the facility that you work in at the time that you're taking these classes. But alternative work schedules prohibit that, virtually prohibit any family life. And if you're a single mom trying to take care of your children on an alternative work schedule and you're trying to get a sitter, virtually impossible for that to happen. So, yes, we had a great agreement negotiated by people that came before these people that we have in there now. So let's keep that in perspective. Let's just keep in perspective who and what the current leadership are. Are they management or are they union? There's actually a definition 
of a management agent, an agent of management in the National Labor Relations Act. And they qualify. In June of 2013, I coined a term called Powellist. Powell Memorandum started all of this. And a Powellist is somebody that subscribes to the tenets of the Powell Memorandum to continue to suppress wages and to thwart a fair day's work for fair day's pay. Where you can actually go to work and enjoy your work, work at a reasonable pace, go home to your family on a regular shift, enjoy your family if you choose to, improve your education, and have a happy life. A happy life is not being led by the active workers in our workforce. And that has got to change. Team working for a living aspires to change that for all of you. And as Jeff said, if you want change, if you're tired of alternative work schedules, if you're tired of the IUAW telling you you that you're going to have job rotation so management can come in and harvest or farm the workforce even more than what they've done so far. If you're tired of seeing retirees under attack, our members go down and wages cut in half, and get a hold of us. Join Working for a Living Facebook page. Follow our website, com. Catch us on Stitcher. We're still hoping for iTunes to kick in soon. Get a hold of any one of us, and the team is growing. The team is growing. There's people in leadership in this team that are the very best people that you can possibly imagine, that you could even go out and handpick that have your, truly have your best interest in mind, the members of this great union. But I'll tell you something. We're under attack, all of us. We've had members disciplined within a few days of each other, active members. So our new people that are coming in are not necessarily being known to everybody, but our team is growing, believe me, by leaps and bounds because of good people like you. And I'll say again, as Jeff said, if you want change, contact one of us. We'll get you in the system, keep you informed, and let you know what it takes to affect this change. In July, we talked about that in several different shows on how to, to the election process to make that occur. But having said all of that, these local unions getting back to them turning it down are turning it down and 
their local union bargaining committee is going to have to deal with that. And if it takes the local union bargaining committee to tell the international one at a time or as a group, the chairman get together and simply tell them job rotation is unacceptable. We're not going to be allowing somebody to set out across the street and set up a bunker and start shooting at us. We're not going to allow them to require us to form a team in job rotation so they can remove some of us. The removing is done. Get that in your head. You negotiated something that went beyond the limit. And your totalitarianism mindset allowed that to occur. You think you can do anything you want to anybody with no retribution, IUAW, and you're wrong. You crossed the line with this last agreement, and the membership tried to send you that message at the national ratification. And you know what you did at Chrysler, and you know what you did at General Motors, and you know what you did at Ford. That's unacceptable, and now you're seeing the pushback from the local unions. Get the message. You're wrong. Change your way of operation. Forget team rotation and job rotation. You've lost control of the membership. They will not follow you when you tell them to do bad things. Eliminate job rotation, and that local union contract will pass in a heartbeat because that's the only thing that we've heard. And we're not participants in this, but that's the only thing that we've heard that's the problem with this local union agreement. Fix it or be gone because we're coming. And the membership will follow somebody that doesn't do to them what you're doing but rather stand up against you for doing it. That's the end of my report this evening. Having said that, uh, Jeff, do you have any more to add to that? No, you hit it right on the, on the head. Um, plain and simple. Time change, but by back, regain respect. Um, from our employers, our international leadership has failed time and time again over the years. Uh, I could go through the Constitution and find all kinds of violations that they are are doing, and no one's saying a word. They're afraid. Some want to be promoted at the international respect. Joining their little groups and click. I am not one of those people. Do we need a change? We will get a change one way or another. Um, next week I'll have my 29th year in my plant that I hired in, and I'm going to continue to fight. I'll walk out of there retired, and I'll still fight. 
okay? Because I am fighting for what my grandfathers did to get us to where we were 20 years ago. We need to stick together, folks. We need to fight back. Like I said before, we need your help. You want to help? Contact one. We'll be happy to do board. I got me right. Thanks, thanks, Jeff. Uh, you know, uh, you you brought up the idea that people are wanting to be promoted to the international. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Those chairpersons that are sticking up against the IUAW and not signing their local agreement and and going out there and uh, listening to the membership. They're not being lost on this team. We're taking note of those people that are standing up against all of this. And God bless you for doing it. And we're watching you. And you'd be surprised what might happen for somebody that actually stood up against all of this. Somebody stand up. That's that's rare in these days. You know, I'll tell you, you, you talk about standing up. They put an article in the Solidarity magazine, as our team knows, where it said 64 cases were heard between the last two uh, constitutional conventions. And in not one case was the international UAW, International Executive Board, found to be wrong. Out of 64 cases, the membership was never right. I just find that really really amazing that the membership that took the time, effort, and energy to raise an issue has never been wrong in 64 cases in that last four-year period. I just think there's something fishy with that. I do. So, uh, David, uh, do you have anything else to add at all? We'll wrap it up here in a minute. we be about an hour. Um. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't mean to cut you short. If you got something, go ahead and say it. I'm not going to talk about I'm not going to talk about it. It uh, speaks about products and uh um, I understand uh, why some of these shop chairmen um are concerned about Appendix K. Um but I'm not going to speak about the products. So that's that's it, Larry. Okay then. Uh, we didn't have any uh, anybody press one from the switchboard, so we'll kind of wrap it up there tonight. And uh, we got a little bit intense because this is intense, brothers and sisters. This is your livelihood. How you make your money, how you sustain your family, how you are able to take a vacation when you can have a roof over your head, feed your family, save for retirement, and put your kids through school at some point. You're supposed to have money to do all of that if you work in an auto plant. That's a high-wage job supposed to be. These are serious matters. Corporations are making 9 and $10 billion a year, respectively, between General Motors and Ford. Nine six and ten two. They just adjusted. So serious matters. So having said that, 
Uh, let's uh, wrap up the show. We're right in an hour right now. Um, uh, the co-hosts have had whatever they want to say. Again, we want to remind everybody this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so wear your pink ribbon if you have one. No, they're pretty cheap. I'm, I don't know, maybe Cancer Association even pass them out if you ask them. So remember to follow us. Uh, as a radio show on the Blog Talk Radio, and you'll get a little email reminding you once a week when the shows do. Uh, for your ease of listening, you can catch us uh, on the obviously Blog Talk Radio. Working for a living, uh, halfway down the right sidebar, there's uh, podcasts where you can catch the last three if you want, and we're on Stitcher at the moment. Uh, if you found value in this show. Please tell just one more person, and it'll grow. And it is growing, thanks to you, the listeners. We appreciate your support, and you're telling one more person every week. Having said all of that, here's a hearty shout-out to all, all of our listeners and friends in Brook Park, Ohio, Flat Rock, Michigan, Tonawanda, New York, Lordstown, Ohio, right next to Youngstown, my hometown, Flint, Michigan, place where I began work at Pioneer Hall, UAW. Second day I worked there, brother came up, obviously a sit-downer, and said, people died here on this sidewalk where we were, we were walking out. People died here on this sidewalk, so you could work here today. Don't you ever forget it. And I never have. Uh, shout out to Pontiac, Detroit, Bedford, Indiana, Lansing, Michigan, Toledo, Ohio, Chicago, Kansas City, Fairfax, Kansas, St. Louis, Wentzville, Arlington, Chattanooga, Doraville, Georgia, Santa Cruz, California, and everywhere else around the country and the world who listen in. Thank you over to the brothers and sisters in Norway that uh, occasionally do contact us to say hi. Um, having said that, listeners, have a good night. Stay safe in the coming week. And we bid everybody a wonderful week, upcoming week. And uh, good night, David, and good night, Jeff. Have a good one. Good night, Jeff. Good night, 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 listeners.